It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb, Eric, and Sean. Listen in as your hosts discuss the 2004 film Dawn of the Dead. Once again, following up on our previous Dawn of the Dead episode, our second in our remake versus originals, I guess, series after uh, Insomnia. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, but Dawn of the Dead, yes, 2004. So I, I'm just out of curiosity for you guys. Did you guys see this in the theater, or was something you discovered after it come out, or what was your impressions? Yeah, I, I saw it in the theater uh, probably the weekend it came out. I don't remember, but uh, I loved it. Um, I mean, when I saw the, the, the trailer, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool, they're remaking Dawn of the Dead. Because when you think about it, it's a really good movie to remake. Um, I mean, just zombies in a mall, you know? And there were things that they, in, that they had in this movie that they couldn't have done with the original. And that's not the fault of Romero or anything like that, but it's, it's probably... I think maybe the best remake I've ever seen. And they do a lot of remakes in horror. Whoa. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the remake of Amityville Horror was actually uh, better than the original as well. I thought the original was just freaking boring as hell and ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's so overrated. But this is just... it. It About five minutes into the movie, it picks up. And it does not let go. It's like constant, constant, moving, 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 moving. And I remember it came out in DVD when I was in law school. I didn't have any money. So I saved up my $25 and purchased it and watched it over and over again and all the the, the special features. I got my money out of that DVD. I'm watching it right now. But I'm sorry, Eric. What was your, what was your introduction to this movie? So at the time this came out... Um, this is the kind of thing that I would have would have had zero interest in at the time, so it, it would be one of those things that I'm sure it came out and I went, oh, not for me, and it just like completely moved on with my life, because as you guys know, I never had a really good thing for horror, and especially not in 2004. <laughs> Although I was in all in for Grindhouse, but that's separate. But anyway, uh, I mean the movie Grindhouse. But um, for me, what happened was. Wait, Eric, I have, a, I have a question. I have a question. What other movie would there be? I mean, is there another Grindhouse that we don't know about that's that's not a movie? Oh, no, when I said I was... Because I thought I might... it might Because Grindhouse was a genre, and I said, but I'm down with Grindhouse. Oh, and someone okay. might think okay, that that meant I was, like, into the genre of Grindhouse. But, um... Okay, I understand. Continue with your narrative. So, for me, it started with seeing 300, whatever year that came out. I want to say maybe 2008 or something. And I remember I didn't even want to see that at the time because 
the trailer looks so stylized. I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. But I ended up liking it a lot. Uh, and then a few little, few more years after 300, Watchmen came out. And that's a very divisive movie. But, I mean, for, for reviewers or, or fans. But for me, Watch House is a masterpiece of its own... Uh, of 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 superhero movies um it's a masterpiece it's very unique for that genre and it just completely blew me away on so many levels and then i was like okay what else is that that's when i got to work what else has Zack snyder done and i see oh okay dawn of the dead this is not my thing but he's 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 hit it out of the park twice for me now i'll watch this movie and so i rented it watched it and i just i was like okay that, that was that was cool it's not my thing, but that was good. I see, like that was that was a worthy thing. And of course, this is still. I think this is still before Walking Dead came out, and and how the Walking Dead series, television series, and comic, I got super sucked into all of that. But I still think that came after. Um, you know, I saw this. Yeah. I think this movie... What about you, Caleb? What, tell us how you first saw Well, I remember seeing the trailers for this on TV. And just absolutely wanted to see it. It looked awesome. I didn't know anything about the original at the time. Um, and I wasn't actually allowed to go see movies around this time. Um, mm-hmm. My parents had like a weird religious aversion to going to the movie theater. So I didn't get to see it. But I did catch it on HBO. And yeah, I was absolutely pulled in. That's how I learned about Zack Snyder and James Gunn. And uh, uh, George Romero. And so, yeah, this was a big introduction for me for, uh, for horror. I think that this movie is responsible for bringing back zombies because they kind of withered out. You know, I don't remember. Maybe 28 days later. I think you're right. Yeah, 28 days later, maybe well, a little bit. Actually, I just got to say this. It's kind of funny you mentioned that. So you recently covered Resident Evil. And Paul W.S. Anderson credits himself for rebooting the uh, zombie genre with that film. No. No, no, absolutely not. I don't think anybody went to see that movie. Um, I did, but no, some some people did. Some people did. I looked at the numbers. It was actually because uh, yeah, it came out the same year as Twenty Eight Days Later, but it was a pretty giant hit. No, so, yeah, I still thought it was uh, an asshole move on himself to credit himself yeah. for. <laughs> I, I I think it belongs to Zack Snyder and Edgar Wright. Um, Shaun of the Dead came out a little while. In fact, there's an ad trailer for Shaun of the Dead at the beginning of the DVD. Um, I think that uh, helped. And then, of course, The Walking Dead. And now, uh, and then there was uh, the last good zombie movie was probably, and there's been many more, uh, but Train to Busan is probably the last great one. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I didn't, me- notice I didn't mention The Walking Dead, uh, which is so in love with itself, it just will never die. But it did die this year. Yay! Or Zombieland. Also super in love with itself. Oh, Zombieland is not bad. I haven't seen the second one. Yeah, I, I like the first one. I haven't but... seen the second one, but I really enjoyed the first. Uh, no, I saw some YouTube video earlier today in my quote-unquote research. And this guy had figured out that from Night of the Living Dead until this remake, there had been like 140 zombie movies made. And then... From this remake till now, there's been something like in the, in the range of like 340 zombie movies. Uh, 
So definitely a bigger yeah. explosion, uh, at least timeline-wise, post this. I'm also going to say something about this movie. There is one thing in this movie I just don't like. Everything else about it I love. But I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that this is the best cold open and credit sequence in any movie that I've seen. Oh, yes. It is. It, it really just, like, this is what you're in for. You know, fasten your seatbelt, and then the credits roll. And it's it's uh, uh, Johnny Cash, and it's this really creepy montage of actual footage. And I'm like, oh, my God, the world is ending. Um, I mean, it really gripped me in. It's so well done. And it was like, man, yep. it made me want to go back to, to, to uh, film school. Um, best credit sequence in a horror movie since uh, Seven, which is another great <laughs> classic in my mind. Oh, but I love the pacing of the, the opening. It starts out with just kind of like subtle hints that something's going wrong and mm -hmm. you see kind of their normal life. And then once it explodes, it just yeah, keeps going and just ramping yeah. up. Well, just fantastic. In retrospect, I mean, I, yeah, of course I agree it's a good cold open for sure. But, um, but in hindsight, uh, very much reminds me of like the, that first episode of Black Summer. That first episode of Black Summer oh, is like wow. an expansion of this cold open, and I, I really enjoyed that that episode of that show. Even though yes, zombies are not necessarily my thing, that was just really well done and very 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 similar. And for the readers, Black Summer is a prequel to Z Nation, made by the same people, I think, but it doesn't have the same ridiculous tone as Z Nation. If you're sick and tired of The Walking Dead. Look up Black Summer. I think there's two seasons right now on Netflix. Second season's a little confusing, but I want that Vietnamese lady. I want to have her babies. I really do. <laughs> I was like in love with her. Like, have you seen this show? Yeah. Caleb? No, I've I've never even heard of it. Oh man. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the most significant zombie things to come out like in the last 10, 15 years. But not many people have heard about it. Only like like horror fans. It's really good. It's really good, Caleb. And I never watched the yeah. uh, Z Nation. It is really good. Well, I've only seen the first season. Was Z Nation any good? I've never, I've never seen that either. And do I need to watch that show too? I only watched it a little bit, and it was, it was too satirical, or and not yeah. in a good way, like Zombieland yeah. or something. It's was, wasn't it like on MTV Network or something when it was airing? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, like it's no, it's, it's not a serious show. It, it's, it's in my genre of. You gotta be high. And young. <laughs> no, uh, that's true. It's like they're, they're, there's this group, there's this group traveling, and there's one guy who it doesn't affect by the zombie virus. But each episode is sort of its own standalone thing, and um, like they come across a group of people that dress as clowns, you know, and you know they come across yeah. a group of people that you know are into gardening and. It was a little over the top. We got kind of tired of it. I think it's the kind of thing that you're 17 and it's like the thing that you and your high school friends are watching and you'll have nostalgia for it. But for everyone else, it's like, okay, all right, I got other things to do, like balance my checkbook or something. I even find Zombieland a little bit too much. So yeah, I probably wouldn't enjoy that. But do you need to watch it to watch the other show or? No, 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 no. And Black Summer is nothing like this Z Nation beast we're talking about. Nothing like it sure. at all. Anyway, uh, the cast uh, mm. includes a few people that, you know, people that you've seen. Sarah Polly, of course, is the lead. Uh, yeah, whatever movie. happened to her? I don't know. She was in this great I movie. I love her. She was in this great movie called The Sweet Hereafter. 
uh, by it. I think oh. it's Adam Ewan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say about her. Uh, she actually got into producing. Oh, really? She produced a really cool show called uh, Alias Grace a few years ago, which I watched, oh. starring David Cronenberg and several others. But. <laughs> huh. Well, and uh, uh, the guy, the lead guy, well, I think that's uh, Ving Rhames, of course, from Pulp Fiction fame. That's his oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, was it sure you were going to say? The other guy, I don't remember the character name. I don't remember their character names. I'm sorry, but the actors from the show Medium. And uh, oh yes, okay. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, Max Headroom is in this movie. Um, he plays the group of people that come in a little bit into the movie. He plays the guy that was bitten. Uh, his his daughter watches him turn. Um, that's the guy that played Max Headroom. Matt Fewer is his name. He was in a, a yeah. A he show. yeah. I was gonna say yeah. Uh... This cast is full of Canadians. Matt Fuhr, uh, Sarah Pauly. I was going to say, he's Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah, he is. Because Max Hedrum, he just, he appears randomly in so many Canadian things, I find. He really? does. So much crap. Yes, he does. He does. Anytime I think of him, I think of Generation X. <laughs> I'm sadly. Not even Max Hedrum, because I've never seen that. But <laughs> yeah, it was basically a Coke commercial, and then somebody had the brilliant idea of taking this commercial and making it into a TV series. Which I think did very well, did rather well. It was like a futuristic TV series. Oh, Max Hedrum? Yes. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Are you kidding me? That was a crazy cultish show at the time. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the Coke commercial. Very but... ahead of its time. Yeah, I've never seen the show. It was like a dystopian future, and it was like conceptually way ahead of its time and trying to make some type of weird, uh, uh, I don't know, political statements through the dystopian lens. That's, you know. And, uh, then we have the guy from Modern Family, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Phil Dumphy. He plays the token villain in this. Because all these zombie movies, they all have a token villain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> human. And it's usually a business guy, you know, who wants to take over. And he's some kind of asshole. And that's that's him in here. Yeah, Dennis Hopper in the <laughs> Land of the Dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was so over the top. He loved playing that. I, yeah. yeah, he did. But yeah, that guy, uh, Ty, Ty Burrell or whatever, yeah, he's one of the few negatives that I have for the movie. I find him a little bit too... Too much. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. Like, he almost seems like he's not taking the movie seriously in some ways. I guess, yeah. But a minor complaint. My, my complaint about the movie is the baby scene. Um, mm-hmm. I just, you know, Mikai Pfeiffer, uh, dude, what did you think was going to come out? Do you, you think it was going to be a normal baby? <laughs> I mean, your girlfriend's a freaking zombie, you know? Yeah, that's one of those scenes where you just kind of have to accept that the character's lost his mind and whatever he's mm-hmm. doing. Like the uh, in The Vanishing, when he does it yeah. at the end, drinks the coffee. It's just like, okay, I guess I gotta accept that he's, yeah, completely crazy, but... And just when you haven't seen enough cool zombie kills, you see him in here. There's There's a handful of them. And uh, the, I think my favorite is the broom handle. They're in the um, in the sports, uh, the, the uh, fitness equi- the sports store. Oh yeah. We have uh, great, obviously great uh, makeup effects. There's the scene where Mikai Pfeiffer is alone, and a zombie comes and slams into the plate glass window, and you get a close up of it, and it's very well done, extremely well done. Um, that's all over the place, really. You don't even have to mention that. Uh, there's a scene... I mean, there. Zack Snyder is... So, I, you know, I don't give a shit about Zack Snyder nowadays. I know that he did that Justice League thing, which was a little <laughs> bit masturbatory. Um, I think I heard about it on your po- on this podcast. 
Caleb. Oh. But he's so cool for a first time. Well, he's not a first time director, but this is his first feature film. It was all music videos. Uh, before yeah, and, uh, and commercials and commercials. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because uh, I, I kind of had to watch this twice for uh, this review since we were going to cover it a little while ago. So I decided to watch with the commentary today. Mm-hmm. And we actually see one of his car commercials in the in the in the movie. Yeah. Really? In that opening sequence. In the beginning. There's a Subaru car commercial and it's his own commercial that he had produced before Yeah, and I guess I should uh should also point out he said in the commentary that that whole opening sequence in the house was actually shot in the same mall that they shoot the rest of the film. It was like an abandoned uh, department building. They just created huh. a little house set in it. That's interesting. I thought that was interesting. Oh, Richard B. Rubenstein. Oh, man, I didn't realize he worked on this. Damn. Also, anyway. other fun facts. The movie was shot largely in chronological order. Yeah, I'm just watching the uh, the opening here that Sean mentioned earlier. It is great. I love the music choice with Johnny Cash there when the man comes around. I think that was just an excellent choice. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Except that's like... Zack Snyder's trope that he continues to beat throughout his career. Yeah, but it started here. I mean, you gotta you gotta give it credit for the time. Okay, I guess you're right. You're right, but I can't separate from it's it. There's some of his movies where it's an amazing thing, and it's other movies where it's just like it's like he, it's mandatory. He has to yes open all his movies the same way with different songs, obviously, but. But it's because it works so well here. He just yeah kept repeating it until it started to not work so well. But it, it does work excellently here, I think, with Johnny Cash. This actually started my fandom of Johnny Cash, actually. Really? Me too! Oh, awesome. Wow. I, I went out and I bought the CD that has it on it, and I listened to it over and over wow. again. I didn't buy any more jo- other Johnny Cash uh, albums, but... That's so weird. <laughs> That's I watched so Walk weird. the Line again, didn't like it anymore, but uh, yeah... <laughs> It's so weird. Yeah, I think I was, I think I was ten when this came out. So I mean, it's pretty. <laughs> I didn't have much exposure before this, but I was definitely intrigued. Well, so he was really hot for a second, um, at the end of his life, Johnny Cash. Uh, like when I was in high school, so Sean would have been a bit older than me, but so yeah, had a little rut in the nineties. Yeah, I remember he had that song. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Sure. I'm not, is, that the, is that the nail song that he covered? Is that what you just did? The, oh, the what song? Nine Inch Nails. A Nine Inch Nails cover. That's what it kind of sounded like you just moment. Yeah, it sounded like hurt a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, I that's an you know, amazing song. Amazing it's song. Absolutely. Sean butchered it mildly, but <laughs> no it's, yeah, it's a good song. It was very popular, surprisingly. Yeah, he, he had that great little, like, last out al- or I guess not last, but, you know, when he was really old and his voice really changed, that was a really soulful album. Love that. Yeah, he, he did a few. Yeah, yeah, he did a few. With Rick Rubin, the, the famous um, producer. But um, it, if I have a critique of the movie, because I, I, I overall like it. You know, I liked it the first time. I still like it now. Uh, but again, in hindsight, there's some critiques. I don't... I probably wasn't aware of it the first time, but it... I kind of felt it this this time, which is, this is like a mall in Canada, right? Or in Toronto, more specifically. And there's something about it feeling Canadian or not American um, to me. And for some reason, that takes me out of it. I don't know why. Oh, oh, no, no. It's not that it takes me out of it. It's that 
that's one of the things I thought was so super cool about the original. Even though I don't have conscious mm-hmm. memories from the 70s, it still was so American, so Americana. And, and you know, I recognize some of the storefronts, um, um, even though it was the older version of them, the, the ones I knew. But in this one, first of all, there's something about the feel of the place that feels not American. Um, and then... <laughs> And then the fact that there's no there's no known storefronts in the movie, um, none none that you recognize, and I think that was on purpose. Well, because nobody wanted to, uh, like okay, no yeah. companies um, would sign off because they thought it would be bad, you know, publicity or whatever. So all the storefronts are made up, sort of like if you're playing a Grand Theft Auto game, like it's all just made up stuff. Yeah, um, and it, it just takes me out of it a little bit. The big department store is called Galen Ross, which is the name of the actress in the first movie. And two of those right, three right. actors, uh, they make appearances in here. The one guy is the preacher and the other one's a police officer or an army guy. Um, and a lot yes, of those stores are right. fake. Yeah, and they even said in the commentary that this mall, I guess, was still in development. So a lot of the stuff here was not fully like built yet. So that's another reason why maybe it doesn't feel fully polished. Again, it's not... It's not like it, it hurts them. Well, it's not. It doesn't make the movie bad or anything. It's it's just that's something I really connected to with the original. I had none of that. Yeah. Um, like, well, malls malls back then, I just feel like maybe had more character. Like I go into a modern mall now, and it's just yeah, it's I, I don't I, I feel no connection to it. But when I was a teenager, yeah. going to some of those old malls, like there was just I don't know. I, I could just spend hours in there. It didn't yeah. feel like such a big cluttered kind of like depersonalized mess. As they do now, but in in this movie, yeah, the mall it's definitely lacking a lot of character. I love the old ice rink in the old one, or like some of those kind of um, uh, like the water fountains and things. I guess there's a water fountain in this one too, but uh-huh. like where they bury that one guy in the original. Oh, definitely. Like some of that stuff, yeah. Just it's got such a character to it. This mall is a little bit more impersonal. Well, yeah, and it also makes the original almost feel like a documentary in that. It obviously looks super real. I mean, because it is. I mean, the location. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there all about it not seeming. I don't know about Eric. I don't know where you get you know Canadian Canada out of this. I didn't know that most of the actors were Canada. What are they? What are they like? They're not like eating. What is that? The French fries? Poutine? What's that? <laughs> poutine? They're they're eating poutine. Ooh, what's this all about? No, it, it wasn't the actors. <laughs> I. There was a couple that I, you know, knew were. I didn't know until Caleb said that there was a bunch of them. I just more I mean the feel of the mall itself seems Canadian to me. Just like some malls, and you know, you can tell it's like European or something. Like, you, and I don't. It has something to do with the architecture. It has something to do with, well, like Canada again. It's so like America, but but it's like it's like through the looking glass. Like it, everything seems like it's the right thing, or kind of like how. Um, like Truman Show is like it's it's like it's the real world, but something about it's not right, and that's always been the thing. Like we talk about this on the Sci Fi Party Line all the time. Like if you're watching old Stargate or those seasons of X Files when they went to Canada, and you like you can't put your finger on it, but you just know something's not right. Um, or like Smallville, it's not Kansas. You know, you know what I? That reminds me, another show they did that with was Tales from the Crypt. And the last season was all done in England, mm. and I remember mm-hmm. thinking that from that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a weird season. 
Oh, but it, yeah, yeah. It, it, but it's always the cast for me. Like, there's so many of these people that I just know from random Canadian things. Like, of course, Sarah Pauly. I grew up watching Road to Avon Lee. There's a lady who was in Anna Green Gables and um, some other oh people who just show up in random stuff like uh, 4400 stuff like that. So, so I just know all these people as locals in a way. So, <laughs> so immediately mm. triggers to me. I guess it's Sean Canada. Huh. But I didn't think anything about the mall being particularly Canadian, but I guess that's, uh, yeah, I don't it's, know about that. But. It just feels, like I said, like facsimile. I mean, it could have been an Australian mall for all I knew, just something didn't feel right about it. Um, yeah, those damn Canadian malls, just, they're not right. <laughs> um, Eric, did you, were you like us where you thought for just a hot moment that it was filmed in San Antonio or took place in San Antonio because they mentioned the Riverwalk? On the radio? No, 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 I did not. I noticed that line, but I'm I've already come to know that there's a, there's other places in the world that call something the Riverwalk. Yeah. Uh, I that's how I found out about that. Uh I didn't I thought there was only one Riverwalk and that's in San Antonio. And the Riverwalk, by the way, Caleb is is downtown San Antonio near the Alamo and it's a fucking tourist trap. And what every is it? It's just basically there's a river and there's a bunch of shops and restaurants alongside. It's almost like a river, like a man. I think it is a man-made river. It is. It is. It's like a yeah. It's man-made. Well, no, no. It was originally a real river, but whatever was the real river stopped existing like 60 years ago, 60 plus years ago. Yeah, it's, so it's more know, of like a manufactured miniature canal system. Yeah, and every time somebody new would come over to visit, we'd had to go to the fucking Alamo and the fucking Riverwalk, and I'm getting so sick and tired of the Riverwalk. <laughs> um, now, while I agree with Sean's disdain of the tourist trap, and yet I had to do the same thing. He always had to entertain people in front of town. But you can't put the F word in front of Alamo, though. That part okay, I object to. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm from Chicago. And by the way, the inside of the Alamo doesn't look anything like it does in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. A lot of people think, you know, and by the way, there is a basement in the Alamo. Uh, they, it was a small basement, but there is a basement in the Alamo. There's no basement in the Alamo. I don't know why, but it's just one of the funniest scenes ever. Like my top 20 funniest oh. scenes. Oh, rest in peace, Jan Hooks. I've never but, seen that all the you know, way through. The Riverwalk, I mean, it's this weird, beloved tourist attraction, but I'm not even going to lie. It is overhyped, and I want to say there's like some town in Oklahoma that has like their own Riverwalk. I mean, it's, I mean, it just has the name. There's no other relation. And maybe New Orleans has their own something. And I'm not going to lie, when I see those other river walks, they actually look a lot more impressive to me. It's weird that San Antonio <laughs> has, has the famous iconic one, because it is kind of kitschy. Uh, I don't understand the appeal of it to, to tourists, um, but whatever. Hey, it's like when you're supposedly eat a genuine Italian pizza versus Americanized pizza. It's like, goddamn, <laughs> like, what's, what's good about this? <laughs> Well, that's horrible. But if you that. really want to see the old school Riverwalk as it appeared in the the San Antonio one, as it appeared in the eighties, watch um, the eighties movie uh, Cloak and Dagger uh, with Henry oh, Thomas. Oh, really? It, there, a lot of it, a lot of the movie, especially the end climax, is shot all. The whole movie is shot in San Antonio, but there's a lot of Riverwalk scenes. And when I watch that, I haven't seen it in a while. But I remember what the Riverwalk looked like in the 80s, and that wow. is it. There it is. Uh, it's very much on location. Miscongeniality is another one. 
Oh, that was shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one was uh, Ace Ventura 2, <laughs> which I never oh. saw. But uh, but but it's only it's the outdoor scenes. It's not nothing in the city. Um, it's out in the bush country. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, I, I haven't seen either one of those in at least 12 or so years, so I don't remember. But, wow, miscongeniality. Okay. <laughs> Deep cuts on San Antonio. But there was... Um, there was a Knight Rider 2000 made-for-TV movie with, with uh, David Hasselhoff, and Kit was like a, a Camaro from like the year 2000. And the climax of that TV movie was shot in the shopping mall on the Riverwalk in San Antonio, and that was pretty ridiculous, insane, <laughs> but whatever. Well, let's go from san antonio to milwaukee wisconsin <laughs> yeah whatever milwaukee. I, you know as soon as i realized as soon as i realized they said you know they were um in milwaukee area in the movie uh and not, obviously it's not pennsylvania like the original i immediately thought i bet Zack snyder is from milwaukee or wisconsin and of course he is i, I just i knew it oh that's interesting Oh, but speaking of Zack Snyder, what do you guys think of the look of this film? Okay. Uh, it looks great. It looks like 2004. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it does look like 2004. <laughs> it does, but in a way that works because there's still a certain naturalism to it as compared to some of the other movies that had this level of filter over it. Like, I've been going through uh, Harry Potter movies with my girlfriend, and we just recently watched the third and the fourth one. And the filter on those two movies is just insane. It's like, whoa, like, yeah. this does not look like... The third one is the best one. Uh, and even visually, I think it's the best one. Uh, like what you're talking about. The fourth one was, was a mixed bag, visually. The Harry Potter movies tend to be a little bit well done. Uh, none of them is bad, in my opinion. But none of them is like, oh my god, this is so good. I'm going to watch it over. Uh, I think the third one is, oh my god, it's that good. But okay. okay. Uh, but uh, I think you're comparing apples and oranges. Uh, Dawn of the Dead to Harry Potter movies. Um, I, I just mean in terms of the the very clear like high contrast filter over everything. Like it's not natural. I know what you mean. Or the original lighting. But, but I would clear. challenge Sean on his Harry Potter sentiment because the third one I think the reason it stands out so much um, is because it's Alfonso Cuaron and it's the only one that he did and he's such an unexpected director to do a harry potter movie um and i feel like he he gives like almost like a guillermo del toro look to that specific harry potter movie that you don't really see in any of the other eight or seven eight um so it has it has the most unique look i i really and i think the best but anyway speaking of unique looks how about that old lady zombie that was uh she was something else huh well hold on hold on hold on I'm just trying to cast the reel out, reel it back to Dawn of the Dead. No, 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 no. I was, I was about to flip back to, but back still on the look though, because I wanted to say one more thing and ask a question about it. Where I think the look really works in this movie is the very, very opening scene in the hospital, and isn't that? And you guys would know, I think. Isn't that like some callback to some classic hospital movie? I mean, horror movie from like the '70s or '80s. Like, the whole look of it and everything. Like, is there some movie called Night Nurse or something like that? Some culty horror suspense slasher movie or something? I don't know. 
There is some movie. I've never seen it. Uh, the only reason I'm aware of it is because I know Tarantino has referenced it. Um, like the look and feel of it in, in his grindhouse. And it's some cult movie. And it looks very much like that hospital. I think he may be thinking of one of the earlier uh, Conan... Conan O'Brien. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Cronenberg films. Like a rabid or what's the one where they're all in like the the condominium? Oh, shivers. Shivers. That's it. Let me look it up. Whatever that is. Yeah, not great. Because I want to say the Daryl Hannah character from Kill Bill is based upon someone in this cultish movie. I'm trying to figure out. You know, when you say that, I seem to remember hearing or reading that somewhere. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Oh. Just because we were mentioning Cronenberg, I also wrote my notes. Sarah Polly shows up in the Cronenberg film Existence. Oh, really? Yeah, she has a small little role in that. I didn't know he did that movie. Yeah, not not one of his best, but it's very. It has a lot of themes that kind of carry over from Videodrome. I think he's a little bit too over-referencing to Videodrome in that movie, but. Um, and Chris Frackleston. Chris Frackleston shows up too. Yeah. I don't know what to think about Videodrome. I gotta watch it again. Oh, I love it. But... I know my co-hosts. Uh, really liked it, but I, I have to see it. Again. I don't like James Woods, and it's not because of the political thing. I just think he looks and acts icky. Like he's just like, like some asshole, like in a bar. He's oh, so good. That's that's why he was so right for that part. I mean, in general, in general, because he is that asshole in a bar in that movie. He's like kind of a filthy, unpleasant dude. So it, it's totally, it's like one of the only roles that I really like him in because it just it fits his personality so well. Yeah, I guess kind of guy who wakes up in the morning eats like a couple day old pieces of pizza crust dipping it in his coffee jesus <laughs> oh. holding a gun scratching his gut with his gun <laughs> <laughs> um i like the humor in this movie that being dawn of the dead i don't know <laughs> about that yeah eric um, derailed us again <laughs> <laughs> you say what <laughs> you're making caleb's job as an editor a little harder i just let it go what did i do <laughs> oh, we started talking about Harry Potter and a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, we just blew um, it off. But... <laughs> it's okay, Eric. We love you. We love it's you, Eric. It's all good. That's called, that's called flair and added content for the listener. <laughs> flair and added content. Rick Flair? Yes. Or as Verity calls it, Vam. By the way. Yes, Vam. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, oh, um, I think, and it's been years since I listened to the commentary, but speaking of the Alamo, wasn't Snyder oh, deliberately, like, was he really, he's like, he was thinking of the Alamo when he made this. I mean, just the name of the coffee shop, Hallow Grounds, indicate oh, that this is something special with special people. I mean, did I misremember that, or was he really thinking of the Alamo? Not necessarily the movie, but the event and the place itself. I, I can see what you're saying, but it seems like a stretch to me. I, I mean, it, it, it makes sense of, like, a last stand type of place, but... Oh, I know, didn't think that was necessarily like, like, actually in his mind. Now that you say that, he was absolutely talking about that. He was talking about how it's like, oh, on one side we have like Mexican Mexican American War. Are you kidding me? One side's the zombie. He actually said that. He did. <laughs> he did. And it was funny because uh, wow, I was only vaguely listening. I was playing uh, uh, like Super Nintendo Tennis at the same time. 
but I do remember him saying that and me perking up like, oh, come on, you're so up your ass. What are you talking about? How? <laughs> but no, that's, yeah, no. you picked it up, Sean. That's ridiculous. I can't believe, I, I, I thought Sean was coming way out of left field on that one. No, <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> that's interesting. So Ving, Ving Rhames is obviously the John Wayne character and uh, uh, Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett and, you know. and then Jim Jim Boone and uh, well, I kind of want that movie. You got Travis Boone and, and, uh, and Crockett. Maybe the security guard would be Boone. I don't know. I gotta watch that movie again. All I know, there were some Columbo people in it like Lawrence Harvey is in it. John Wayne being all patriotic, and that was his baby, though, that movie. He worked really hard to get there. I've never seen that. <laughs> yeah, John Wayne's like a gigantic... That's alright. He's yeah. a gigantic blind spot for me, John Wayne. I've seen so few of his films. Watch Red River. Um, he's the bad guy in that movie. And it's watch like Stagecoach. Uh, Stagecoach, yeah. Watch The, watch the Searchers. <laughs> Millions of others. <laughs> made so many fucking movies and i just i think i've only seen like one of his films overall so i prefer clint eastwood again famously that's how i trained myself to speak american yeah oh oh yeah i think i remember you saying that in some other podcast in In my head i pretended to copy john wayne like in my brain in my mind by slowing things and like dragging my syllables that's that's how I taught myself to speak American when I was about um, seven years old or something like that. Anyway, uh, one of the... Uh, <laughs> oh, but for... Sorry, Sean, just, just briefly, because okay. I don't think Eric ever answered. Eric, what do you think of the look of this film? What? Oh, I thought I answered, but... <laughs> um, well, I feel like I have, you yeah. might have. I may have just gotten distracted by all the, the spiraling off. I feel like I'm suffering from early onset dementia now. But um, it mostly works... I, I understand it was the time, and at the time it was cool. And at the, I mean, not just in this movie, but I mean in most movies that did it, it was, it was just the way things were. Yeah. Um, it's weird to look back at it, and I saw some some reviewers on YouTube uh, commenting like, like, man, why is why are the whites blown out in certain scenes, and and why is like oh, yeah. there are like a weird like yellow greenish tint here and there. Uh, I think these were younger reviewers who, who don't really remember like how things were mm-hmm. when when people started figuring out how digital grading looked. I mean, worked, and how I guess it was applied to everything to make things look more expensive or more artistic. It was like again, it was it was what Instagram filters were um, for photos. It's it was the equivalent of that for movies at the time. And, and like yeah no, I, th- I think that's that's really what it was just cinematographers at the time kind of being like oh we can play with things in a different way like i know uh david fincher really appreciated kind of i think maybe he was one of the people who really kicked off this kind of movement for this kind of look but you you can even see uh, like uh early stages of it in certain parts of like lord of the rings um there's certain parts where you, you feel the artificial grading like like yeah. it, it gets kicked up some notches in certain parts of that hmm. movie trilogy. Okay, I see what you're saying. So. But even I but actually I want to say it wasn't like this super blown out. But the first movie I remember that struck me as wow, why does this look so different? I honestly want to say it was um kicked off around the time with uh Saving Private Ryan. Now that has a more grittier grounded look to it. But 
still somehow artificial in post at the same time. And I feel like that started it, and then it got that trans that transformed to its extreme by the mid two thousands. And if you watched the other Spielberg movies that came after um, Private Ryan, you'd see like he would do it himself. Like he got kind of wild with it with like a Minority Report and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, definitely that one. I, I just want to clarify what you guys are talking about because I'm not the techie guy here. I'm the, I don't know, other guy. Um, when you say the artificial grading, you're talking about they do it in post as opposed to using uh, filters or lighting during the production. Am correct. I correct, correct, correct. In, in, in the film days, analog days, it was more known as um, color timing. So it was like how you develop the film. But yeah, but it became more... I'm calling it digital grading because, yeah, it was done in post, you know, with computers, obviously, digitally. Like, it wasn't actually done photochemically. Yeah, and it's interesting with this one because sometimes I feel like they did it a little incorrectly and, like, the grain, like, jacks up a lot. Like, did you notice that much, Eric? Yes. I mean, it's hard to know if that's... Oh, somebody said, I don't know if it's true, that... Maybe Zack Snyder artificially added a little bit of grain at times, like boosted it. But I don't know if that's uh-huh. true. It could be, um, like for effect a little bit. It's possible because I do see grain. And like you said, I have the DVD that came out in like 2004, 2005. Um, and yeah, the, the, the movie, the filmmaking is too sharp to have grain, obviously. But I do see it. It is here and there. There'll be like one shot that has grain in it, like an old-timey movie. Uh, so. Yeah, and I, I did wonder if, if some of that was because of the whole uh, extended edition version thing. It's possible. And you know, I never noticed it before, but I'm looking at it on the big TV right now. And that's, you know, the difference. See? It's possible that could be. And there's another problem in trying to figure this. There's another factor in trying to figure these things out, especially movies of this these, this year, these years. Because you, it's hard to tell how much of it was done in camera and the way it was shot, or when when, when I know when when we had DVDs and then we started transitioning to Blu-rays at first. Okay, so you made the movie and then you obviously make a movie print, right? And then you show at theaters. Yep. And then when they would make DVDs and the earliest Blu-rays, they would just find the best print they could find and scan it. So some of those artifacts could come from the actual printing. You know what I'm saying? So it's, was it in the beginning, you know, or was it because this is a shoddy um, uh, transfer is what they call it. Um, see, yeah. now in modern times, they try to make transfers from the negatives. So you, you cut out the middleman. But in the DVD days and early Blu-ray, that's why some of those look really bad. Um, uh, it's because it's a bad transfer. Yeah, I actually have a note that relates to that, which we'll, we'll probably jump off the the image quality after that because we don't want to go on for too yeah, long. Yeah, because Sean's eyes just roll back in, no, in his head. No, it's, all it's, I see it's, is the whites of his eyes. If if Zack Snyder does it in post, you know, what a fake. But, you know, Bertolucci <laughs> wow. does it when he's filming. You know, it's genius. <laughs> you know, you're right, though. You're right, Sean. You're right. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I'm not even complaining. I actually think the movie looks good. I just think it's notable how different movies looked like 15 years ago. Overall, it's good. I think it's confusing for for those who are not like movie historical buffs. 
Uh, yeah, that's what I think. I was just going to say, it's just an interesting footnote for the times that this was so popular at the time, and now it's just faded away. At least in feature films, you still catch yeah. it on TV. But. The, uh, I think they got a little carried away with the green. Like, the inside of the yeah. mall is going to be green. Uh, the home goods store is going to be brown. Um, outside on the roof, it's going to be white and blue. I think they mm-hmm. it starts to look like a set from Saw, from one of the Saw movies. <laughs> you know, and those are always, you know, fuck. By the way, don't ever watch those movies consecutively. You will want to kill yourself. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you could tell it was some, some like film school douche cinematographer who was on this. Maybe this one was like his first project. So he's just doing whatever he was taught in school. But what I was going to say with uh, relating to the bad transfers, that whole birth, birth sequence with the baby creature zombie, really it. made me think of uh, AVP Requiem. Which hugely suffered from that bad transfer. Oh, that's a weird. That's a weird looking movie on Blu-ray. Terrible. That that was a slap in my face when they had that baby because everything in this movie looks perfect. The makeup, the special mm-hmm. effects. I know that they're using CGI, but it's not too obvious. But that fucking baby completely <laughs> broke the fourth wall for me. I'm like, you. Okay, first of all, I'm yeah. not. I don't. I don't. They had a baby, zombie baby, in the first episode of World War Z, I think. Um, but I think this may be the first instance of a zombie baby in a movie or a show. Uh, but it's not done well. It's not done well no. at all. I mean, I like the idea of a zombie baby, because, you know, it's cool. But that's just... No, no. And also, that lady gets killed. That nice, uh, uh, I don't know... Yeah, uh, trucker lady which, from Anne of Green Gables. She's yeah. kind of cool, like she's just chain smoking all the time and hanging out, and she reminds me of this lady I used to know really well that I used to work with. <laughs> but yeah, she gets killed. I can't remember how many people survive in the end of this. But, uh... yeah, quite a bit, actually. That was actually, that baby scene was the first thing that really made me think of Army of the Dead, for whatever reason. I'm not even sure why. Oh, fuck Army of the Dead. I'd rather, you know, that's another, you know, when you guys complain about Zack Snyder and these, uh, superhero movies he's been making i saw that army of the dead and it was that is a terrible zombie movie that that it 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 seems like it was made by people who have never seen a zombie movie before and did zack snyder i think he wrote it didn't he yeah he did and he he was also the cinematographer on it terrible cinematography like i think i said in one of our other podcasts the whole movie looks like it was like covered in cum (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i I, tig nataro i liked her in it and she wasn't even supposed to be in it they filmed all her parts separately (laughs) oh yeah i love tig (laughs) nataro she's great in everything yeah army of the dead feels like feels like a video game movie that's not based on a video game very strange yeah that's a perfect way of describing it and it's like, okay, this movie's called Army of the Dead. I do not see any dead yet. It started off well, where they showed everybody's backstory. And I'm, this is, I don't know if you want to call it a prejudice, but I can't stand the sight of David Bautista. There's something about him. Him and oh. Ron Perlman. I don't, I don't like either one of them. There's something physically about them that I find so repulsive that even if they gave a performance worthy of best actor, I could <laughs> not stand it. I So what was that movie? Oh, Will Smith... And Dave Bautista's The Alien. We did it on shit we watched on Netflix, and I can't remember it. It was so mediocre. Oh, wow. but anyway, yeah. This sounds like you talking about that guy from Snake Dance. <laughs> oh, Martin <laughs> Clunes. Yeah, that guy. 
Yeah. Fuck! I want to just beat him to a pulp when I see him on the oh, screen. I mean, he aged well. I mean, his, the character's a douche, but he aged well. You know, now he's in, like, Doc Martin, and he, they were talking about him and My Favorite Murder the other day. Uh, oh, but, uh, wow. That, yeah. Wow, I never put that together. For the record, I don't sign off on Sean's statements on Batista in general. I think he's been really good in, in, in a bunch of films I've seen him in. So I did not sign off on that part. Of course, I grew up with him as a wrestler, and I yeah, I was a fan of him as a really? wrestler. So it's, uh, yeah, I was just going to, I even almost made this comment earlier. Whenever Sean says, uh, I'm from Chicago, this makes me think of CM Punk, a wrestler who's very uh, a big Chicago wrestler. So <laughs> makes me think of uh, first season of RuPaul's Drag Race, where two uh, drag queens get in a fight, and the one's like, bitch, I'm from Chicago. <laughs> anyway. Dawn of the Dead. Yes, Dawn of the Dead. What else? What else we got here? Oh, oh another interesting bit from the the commentary. I thought this was quite curious. They mentioned that when they were shooting this in Toronto, it was during the big SARS scare, and they were like, "Oh, no, no one on the set was wearing masks, but you know, people were people in the streets were definitely scared, but we weren't scared. We didn't know anyone who had SARS, so we kind of thought it was blown out of proportion." And they started <laughs> yeah. making jokes about CNN, and I was like, "Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> just wait." <laughs> COVID's over here. Hold my beer, SARS. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was interesting to think because, yeah, SARS is so long ago at this point. Notable things about this movie were that I think it was the first movie to ever do this, which is, um, I guess, four four days before the movie released theatrically, they did special like a special airing on television of the first ten minutes, like uncut. Like the whole first 10 minute opening of the movie, they played it on USA Network in the United States and they played it really? on Channel 4 in England as a promotional oh, that, thing. Wow. So. That would work. That is a. That would work. That would get me to see that. That was the thing they did. Yeah. I, I can't remember. I, I've seen it done, I guess, with some movies. Well, I don't know about the beginning, but I know I've seen some movies like that on television. But where I've seen it more is for IMAX screenings. Um. I've seen where they show, like, they did it for uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, where months before the movie came out, they played, like, the first ten minutes of the movie um, at IMAX when you were watching something else. Uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises did it. Um, Superman, uh, Snyder's Superman, Man of Steel did it as well. Um, yeah, just the, uh, the first Dark Knight did it, too, with the whole uh, bank robbery scene. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I caught that one. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So that was the thing. Oh, other than notable thing was the movie had a, you know a relatively modest modest budget, um, around around twenty five million to produce. Wow! And it earned all its money back in the first three or four days of release. Wait, wait. I have to ask, Eric. Are you talking about Dawn of the Dead? Yes. Okay. Yes. I just need to make sure. Dawn of the Dead. No, this is. Prisoner of Azkaban. No, yes. Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> so it earned all its money back in the first, like, three days of release. And then went on to, like, become one of the most profitable movies. Uh, yeah, well, I feel like that happens with a lot of um, popular horror movies especially. But yeah, it, it did gangbusters. So, you know, that really kicked off Snyder's career in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And then he followed this up, of course, with 300, which is a movie I just refused to see. It just looks so 
like I said before about the Harry Potter movies, more. Well I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see it, and I, I probably wouldn't like it as much now. But younger me, when it came out, I was like, "Yeah, this this is very pleasant. This is very cool." You know, I, I like the whole sandal epic, but it's all stylized and exists like in some psychedelic world that's that's not real. But that movie was as an action spectacle piece. That was really really fun and, and really amazing. Talking about three hundred, I realized the last time I watched it was right before Watchmen came out. So it's been like twelve years. So I was gonna say, oh, it's a great movie, but. Yeah, I don't remember it at all anymore. Weird. It was one of those movies I had to own on Blu-ray at the at the time. Um, yeah, and I'm sure it looks great on 4K. But I'm just, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not rushing out to watch it now because it feels like it's for a younger audience than who I am now. Where, where. Hmm. All right, we got to we got to talk about the ending of the film, uh, which is really great when they're on that boat and. Uh, oh wait, hold on. Well, just fuck that girl with the bus. Um, wait, okay, no, no, but like, cause again, you guys are more into horror than me, but that, that's one of the things that takes me, I can't stand when I'm in a movie, and but it, I guess it has to happen to some degree in horror movies, which, which where some just stupid ass shit happens, like, and <laughs> the, there was a stupid thing that happened earlier, in the, in the very beginning of the movie, uh, when she goes off the road at the beginning, um, like, she's perfectly fine driving, and then... Who doesn't fucking lock their door, first of all, during a fucking apocalypse? Uh, who doesn't lock their car door? And then that random security guy, like, you know, pulls her, pulls her door open, and then she drives out of control. Hey. And then goes through uh, the um, the, okay. the guardrail, which guardrails are not made to go through. Eric. Eric, sir. Sir. She hit it exactly the right spot. She, You know, she's never seen a zombie before. Her husband or boyfriend or whatever he is turns into a zombie immediately, chases her. She has a tumble in the bathtub. She takes I agree off. with all the that. Is, the world is ending. She is not thinking straight, you know? See, everything you said, everything you just said is exactly why the door should be locked on the, on the door, on the car door. All those reasons you just said. She was just in a panic. She didn't think about locking the door. And this is before the days of uh, automatic locks on cheap cars. Uh, but... No, 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 no. You, you're damn right about that. That's a very old Toyota Corolla. But, no, no, no. I understand when she's in the neighborhood and she's freaked out, but then she's been driving for a while. And during that time where her serotonin got back down to normal levels, that's where she would have been like, okay, I should probably lock the door now. No. Um, you could see that from the helicopter shot, there was like... Anyway, but see, anyway, but then, I, I'm, I'm distracting from the, main, from the main event. Okay, so that was just a, one of those minor offenses of of stupid horror logic that just, I guess, has to happen, uh, you know, to, to move the narrative somewhere else. But then, the motherfucking B with the bus, what the, I mean, but again, so are you guys cool with it? Because it's obviously stupid, what happens with the bus. But are you guys cool with it because there has to be a certain amount, like in a horror movie, otherwise you have no movie, if everybody's super competent? See, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but which part? I'm talking about it's, like, like they have a plan and they have all this stuff going, and then she has to fucking take the bus and try to rescue the motherfucking dog, who is already safe anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. That character in herself is just like a weak point. Like, what's her character? She likes to spray paint. She's got a crush on that cute guy. And she gets so many people killed. She fucks everything up for a dog who is already safe. 
See, I thought you were talking about the girl with the boa. Um, that when the bus turns over, she's got a chainsaw. And she. Uh... That's what I thought too. Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't talking about that one. I was talking about the other one. I think she's redheaded. It's like let's find a way to kill off two characters really conveniently. <laughs> two characters with barely going to cover story. I think you're bearing the lead there, because, yeah, she's stupid, but we haven't talked at all about Andy and uh, Kenneth. Probably one of the best character dynamics in the movie. I love the whole Andy bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that uh, that's awesome. Yeah, we it, it's so cool, the idea of this guy. We never see him up close. We just see him holding up signs, and he gets such a, a thing going with Ving Rhames. They're playing chess. That was so cool. Like, I, I would totally love to be that. You know, I could be Andy, and well, maybe not because he doesn't turn out <laughs> well. But uh, yeah, uh, on the extras on the Blu-rays, they have a, an extra called uh, "Andy's Last Days," where he's got a, a, a camcorder and he's recording himself, and it goes up until he finally they get in and he gets bit. Yeah, and no, I love those extras back in the day. I haven't rewatched them in years, but I love those. Yeah, I always thought that was a, a really nice probably the most uh, touching kind of dynamic between all the characters in this movie because most of them don't really have too much to them like there's the romance with Sarah Polly and that one guy who's kind of bland and their whole romance is kind of bland and yeah the dog girl and the cute security guard guy their romance is kind of bland so I, I just really think that's kind of the heart of the movie and I, I listened in the commentary and uh Zack Snyder said that was one of the things that really brought him to James Gunn's script was their dynamic there. So, so I guess you felt the same way. Yeah, cute girl and cute guy getting together, that was bland. That was the definition of bland. I mean, it's just like they're the two most attractive people there. They're going to have sex. You know, what are you going to do? It's like, we may die any day. Let's fuck. <laughs> Wish we would have seen that. He was... The <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to argue with her with you there um yeah that he was the guy that was the kid in trans america if you remember that one with uh felicity huffman she was nominated for best actress and what's her name won instead as johnny uh cash's wife and walk the line it was what a was it trans america oh okay i never saw it but i, I know what he's speaking of felicity huffman huffman is trans and of course she's more popular for something else uh, in the news since then and she finds her biological son and they they go on a road trip together and that's all I remember it, about it but uh. Ooh, I do love road trip movies but I was gonna ask for you Sean <laughs> have you ever seen the little uh, Canadian horror film Frozen is that the one with the uh, ski lift that's one of the ski lift yeah this yes. guy that cute guy has a very memorable scene in that very very memorable <laughs> You have to realize I saw that years ago, like when it first came out, and I was drunk, so I, I may not remember the part. You're, is he the guy that dies? Basically, the first one. He's yes, the first one that dies. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I like that movie. Another Canadian actor. Yeah. So many of these guys are Canadian. Another thing about this movie before we get to the end, um, generally speaking, but not always, but generally, I don't like the. F the crazy fast running zombies i like oh, the yeah. traditional slower ones i like the, the slower ones of the original movie i like the pacing of zombies like in the walking dead series um i guess they can be cool in something like 28 days later or something like that or some other movies that have zombie like mm -hmm. creatures mm -hmm. um but 
I don't know. That's just it's just not my taste. And that was one little thing I would have changed if it was me. I mean, for just yeah. this, this movie. I got a story about that. Uh, many years ago, a few years after this movie came out, a friend of mine uh, gave me tickets to Fantastic Fest here in Austin at the down at the uh, not downtown, but at the Alamo Draft House. It was just a whole week of nothing but horror movies playing. You just it was just awesome. And uh, the movie that opened it, the premiere movie, was Diary of the Dead by George Romero, which is actually, wow. I think, one of his better later movies. Uh, it doesn't sound like Caleb agrees with me. Yeah, but much so. <laughs> George, Romero, George Romero was there. And by the way, when I first got there, you, you go to the back of the theater outside, like in the parking lot, and they had it set up where they had food vendors there. And I don't know, it wasn't called a meet and greet. But in the middle of it all, there's George Romero with like two people in his entourage and he's drinking scotch and smoking cigarettes. And like, he was so cool. Like people would walk up to him and ask him. I think I only saw two people walk up to him and ask him for his autograph. And of course, you know, he did it. You know, he's not he's not at a con where he's going to charge 50 bucks to sign a DVD. The guy was really cool. So um, before oh, the awesome. movie started, before the movie started, uh, Tim League who used to be like the owner, quote unquote, of Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, he's no longer with the company. I think he retired with all his riches. Uh, by the way, uh, do they have Alamo Drafthouse up there or have they not uh, breached the Canadian border? Uh, maybe they have it in Toronto, but certainly not here in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, they have them in Dallas and Steve uh, just doesn't, like mm. all of his movie going experiences have been bad. And then he went oh. to Alamo Draft House to see something. He's like, my God, I love this place. It was quiet. Nobody was getting in my way, you know. So, uh, oh, that's great. So T- Tim Lee comes up. He goes like, okay, George Romero's going to come out and talk. And uh, he's had a couple glasses of scotch. So he's nice and uh, lubricated. You, you know what I mean? So George Romero gets up. And by the way, I've always wondered about George, George Romero. Most people get fat when they get older. But George Romero just basically shrunk. Mm. But... You know, he's up there, he's got his Larry King glasses on and the long hair tied in the back. And he, he mentioned about, um, and they do this in the movie, he mentioned about, he said that fast zombies were bullshit. Uh, fast zombies, <laughs> that's bullshit. Uh, he didn't say it with a Texan accent, but you know. And so he does not like that. And he doesn't like that somebody made his, and they're his zombies. I mean, he didn't make the first zombie movie, but everything that we see now with zombies, the foundation is still Night of the Living Dead. Okay? It's, yeah. Um, yeah, that he didn't like it, and he even addresses that in the movie that if you are a decaying corpse, your bone muscles and uh, your, I'm sorry, your ankle muscles and your bones down there would decay, and you wouldn't be able to run fast. He, ex- he actually explained it, and they do that in the movie as well because they're filming a, mu- a mummy movie or a zombie movie, I think, at the beginning of it. But uh, yeah, that's my oh, yeah. my my face to face, not face to face, but my the time I got to see George Romero in person. No, that's so cool. I, I really wish I could have met him. He's definitely one of the people that's one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to uh, that kind of stuff. I just love that guy's work. And it is interesting because um, he, he definitely complains about that stuff in the making of with Land of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And so he really put a big emphasis on the kind of decaying aspect of zombies. Yeah. Like you see ones yeah. that are like, they're just like walking around with no legs or like barely there. So th- th- that's one of the cooler aspects of that movie. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's he got a little carried away with. Man, no, I. Uh, 
I think I think he got a little carried away with Day of the Dead, where you had like a bride zombie and a clown zombie. It's like I know that, uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, that that reminds me. Sorry to interrupt you again. That's okay. John, have you seen the Day of the Dead remake? I've not seen it, but I know that Ving Rhames is in it. I've always been kind of curious about it, but um, I have not. I did not know that it was a remake. Um, it's one of my least favorite Romero films. I think it's a little boring, um, except for maybe The Alligator. But uh, oh wow, I think there's just a lot of talking and like I can't even understand what they're saying. This guy's got this fake Jamaica accent. <laughs> I think the lead actors is terrible. I think the mad scientist is over the top. I think oh, the bad guy, man. the army guy, is just too over the top. Except for when he's killed, that that is awesome, of course. Um, oh, see, now I want to cover this. Now I really wanted to to discuss this because I love that movie. I really do. <laughs> I think the whole, you know, the whole thing with Bub was a little bit silly, but I can understand. Maybe if I was a scientist back then, I would do it. But maybe I have to watch it again. Yeah, see, that's why that's why I want to cover it now. Cause I'm like, oh, I want you to watch it again and see what you think. But um, yeah, I know they remade it in 2008 with Bing Rames showing up again as a different character, and I've heard nothing but terrible things. Uh, but it it, it okay. is interesting that this one turned out so good, and I think the 90s one, The Night of Living Dead, also turned yes, out pretty good. Yes, it's so. very good. Directed by Tom Savini. Um, oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'd think that it wouldn't be good, like, going in, like, oh, this is going to be really dumb. But no, it's actually a really decent zombie movie. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think it might be more suspenseful than the original. But I'd have to watch them back to back to say for sure. So. Yeah, me too. Another one is, uh, did you see the sequel or the prequel to Train to Busan? Terrible. I did not like it at all. Oh, uh, Peninsula? Yeah, I did see yeah. that. I, I enjoyed it, but I saw it in the theater. And while I was watching the theater, I was kind of like, I don't know how well this would live up to on the small screen, but in the theater, it's enjoyable. Okay. All right. Well, it's better than Army of the but, Dead, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and then I, whenever we're done this conversation, I did make a little list here of... Um, I want to discuss a little bit about this whole remake uh, movement that was going on around this time. Mm. So whenever we finish, finish up Dawn of the Dead, we can discuss that a little bit before we end it up. But, oh, but do you guys have any... Any, many other thoughts with this film? I, I feel like I've gone through most of my notes here. So Sean was going to say something about the the scenes on the island. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it ends. It's really cool. <laughs> I like the way it ends because we see the snippets of them like finding the abandoned boat. And there's a head in a cooler. And oh, every, yeah. time I, every time I see that, I'm thinking, what in the hell were those people doing? <laughs> like, you know what? Let's cut off his head and put it in the cooler. And then what happened to the people? You know, I think there's a whole movie... It's like Hitchcock's lifeboat, but with zombies or something. Anyway, they get on the island. They're being chased by zombies. We don't know what, if they're going to live or die. It totally sets it up to be uh, there, for there to be a sequel. Thank God there's not a sequel to this. This movie does not need a sequel at all. I'm just afraid that someday some bonehead's going to be like, you know what, I want to do this, and uh, whatever. Yeah, Zack Snyder. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> No. Get the cattle prod. Get away. Get away. No, but but since you mentioned that there could be a whole other movie in this movie, I noticed when that little girl shows up and attacks him in the morning, it's 6 a.m., mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I, I, it does make me curious what the night was leading up to her coming into their house as a zombie. 
if it if the kind of the attack started in the night. So I, I was I was vaguely curious about that. Yes, yeah. I thought that too. But I think there's nothing to it other than I don't know. Well, you could feel something other in. than surprising you. Well, you no, you could, <laughs> but I don't think I think it was just designed to be shocking, like a little girl um, coming after you. Yeah. Because 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 I was thinking about it too. Like so, the apocalypse was barely happening, you know, over that night. So, why did so many people randomly die in their neighborhood that night? You know what I mean? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's good. It would it would have taken the zombies to be already ravaging the neighborhood. But if that would have been the case, they would have got woken up a lot sooner. I don't know. I think it's it, I think it's not to be thought about or dissected. <laughs> Well, you know, it's they did it in The Walking Dead. They had a little girl zombie in the first episode. Oh no, no, it's just, but yeah, but that's different though because we don't know. You know, there's plenty of time for many of the things to happen for that little girl to be turned yeah. into a zombie. Oh yeah, I agree because it's weeks into the invasion. But yes, uh, remember in that first episode of The Walking Dead, there was the legless lady zombie, and they had a whole mini series that was released on the internet. Of, of the story behind that girl and how she got to be like that. Don't ask me. I don't remember, but it's on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. Funny, it almost seems like it's eh, it's not really stolen. But uh... No, but my point is it seemed more believable. Like, if it's the beginning of the apocalypse, it's weird that it literally all these people died and got killed in one night. Whereas in something like Fear the Walking Dead Season 1, it seems like it would more gradually happen. Yeah. Before it sped up, you know, to where people were still not understanding what's going on, and yeah. also this is this is another one of those like Walking Dead where they never actually use the word zombie. You know, it doesn't it doesn't exist mm. in universe. They call them like a twitcher at one point, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the movie. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's what's kind of cool about the original trilogy of the the Dawn of the Dead movies, or the the Dead movies, I should say, George Romero. Start with night and then dawn. Things have escalated a little bit more. You get to day and it's just like total apocalypse. Everything's just gone. Yeah. yeah. And they're living in an underground bunker. And there's zombies down. Yeah, crazy fucking military guys, completely off their their brains. That's why I'm kind of interested to see what Eric would think of that too. So it's not a very pleasant uh, portrayal. <laughs> well, I can separate like That's you know fair. supernatural fiction from. In real life, and you also have a crazy scientist. So it's you know it's like the mm-hmm. army versus science. You know which one will come out on top. Spoiler: neither. Yeah, because George Romero is such a fucking cynic. Everyone's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> His whole philosophy is just fuck it all. Just go live somewhere on your own, isolated <laughs> from everyone else. Yeah, be like uh, what's his name, uh, Stanley, in the last episode of The Office. No, no, nobody. No, nobody knows. Oh no! Yeah, I got confused with Stanley, and I was thinking of Stan Lee. Inside my brain. Oh, okay. No, I don't ever, Eric. I don't ever talk about Stan Lee. I know. So I was confused. I was like, "What's happening?" Oh, but uh, are you guys ready to move on to, to final thoughts for this film? Yeah, let's move on. I thought those were the final thoughts. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Eric? You get to go first since you. Uh, there you go. <laughs> No, it's perfectly fine. Uh, again, I'm the guy who's not necessarily into horror, but no, it's a good movie. It's very watchable. I guess um, I probably got some of this confused in my mind um, uh, before I watched, rewatched the original. 
Um, because if you remember, like, I, I was like, I could have sworn most of this movie took place just in the mall and not with all this other stuff. Um, I kind of like how this one has more characters. I felt very restricted to only have the four point of view characters in the original. Um, now I know that does that does serve to make it feel more, how do you call it, like more solitary and alone. Um, so I mean that has a, that serves a purpose only having four POV characters. But I, I just like the larger group though. I'm not gonna lie, uh, and uh, no, it, it's just it's a pleasant. It's really good for a first timer movie. Um, it plays into that trope of it seems there's a lot of directors who who did more when they had less in terms of budget and resources mm, mm. um and no i mean it's great I, I i'm sure i would have enjoyed it if i had watched it at the time uh and again um yeah i, I mean I, I generally i generally like zombies now even though i don't go out seeking zombie media um and I don't really play any zombie video games except Call of Duty every now and then. But um... uh, I love this movie. This is one of my, among my maybe top five zombie movies. Uh, don't ask me like what my number one is or what, because it changes like every week. Um, I know uh, that probably Twenty Eight Days Later is up there. I know it's not a zombie movie. Those aren't zombies. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's there. I mean, it's the same thing. It's a survival, uh, a survival horror movie. Um, the original Dawn of the Dead is up there. I think this movie's great. I, I loved it when I first saw it. I loved it watching it every single time. It is suspenseful. It is full of action. It Again, the, it's the the first 10 minutes of this movie. And it, it, Eric, I think you were the one that mentioned they, they showed it on uh, US. You really would want to see the rest of this movie if you saw the first 10 minutes of it. Because it's it's... The best opening, I've said it before, it's the best opening of a movie that I've ever seen, uh, bar none, horror or any other genre. I can't think of any okay. other better opening to a movie. I, I disagree okay. with that, but, but... but I actually wrote my notes that it's up there with Citizen Kane and The Shining for fantastic openings. <laughs> yeah. Maybe an over-exaggeration. Yeah. But... Oh, man. I mean, it, it tells you... It tells Y'all you are high. Y'all are no, high. No, no. Sir, sir, hear me out. It pretty much lays it on the table. It tells Holy you what's on the tin and what you're in store for for the next two hours is this shit right here. No, no, Eric, I'll say three. Your... I'll... This, this, Eric, this is just off the top Eric, of my head. Eric, this is just I, I off the top of Eric, my head. Eric, I don't want to seem like Chip. I don't want to sound like Chip, the two-minute Time Lord, but you are a fan of The Exorcist too. therefore your opinion doesn't no, matter. No, no, no. I have to – look, 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 look this is sorry. without me even giving it deep thought. Just off the top of my head, let me think of some of the greatest openings of movies. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't know if anyone's heard of that one. That's uh, okay. That is a super cool opening. Good opening. But... Um, and then something like The Dark Knight. Super cool opening to the movie. Um, That's another one, That's personal fave for me, is um, Casino Royale. Holy shit. I've watched the just I. How many times have I only watched the cold open of that movie? Okay. Like, yeah. And without gonna, watching the rest of the movie, it's a good one. I'm just saying. That's just those are just those are just off the top of my head. Here's the thing. Here's the problem. You're right. Casino Royale does have one of the best openings of a Bond film. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, but you know they they had 20 plus movies to do that. Oh, then geez. they finally hit it. I mean, I know it's not the same filmmakers, but 
This is fresh off the boat. This is this is like okay, we're gonna make the zombie movie, and we're gonna have this credit sequence that has Johnny Cash. You can't have Johnny Cash in a zombie movie. It's a fucking brilliant idea because it goes so well with the images that we're seeing. It's genius. I like it. I really like the opening. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, there in, with in you. David Fincher Seven, he played Nine Inch Nails. Well, we have close-ups of John Doe, that's Kevin Spacey in the movie, going through all his weird photographs, and it's creepy as fuck. It is one of the best credit sequences ever. Okay? I mean, I can't think of, like, great credits, but that's one of the best. Um, but this just tops it. And it's, it's, it's not like Seven, where it's a big, huge Hollywood production exactly, but it's just so well-made and imaginative, and it really... You, uh, you know the the, the 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 footage that they use. They somebody loved it. Uh, to quote the guy in Silent Slam, someone took care of it. I think it was someone's job to sit there and just create the credit sequence, and it took them six months, and it's totally worth it. So, the reason I like the beginning of this movie so much is I think I said it. It, it just lays out. It's okay. This is what you're in for. But uh, you know what, Citizen Kane? I don't know. I don't know. It's the whole uh, rosebud. You know, that's that sets up a mystery, I guess. I wouldn't even have thought of that. Uh, I, I put it on the list. I, I put it in my notes, yeah. <laughs> Pink flamingos, maybe. That one has a really good quiz. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Female trouble? Female, Female trouble. trouble, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I'll, I'll give my quick final thoughts here. Yeah, no, this movie, I mean, when I first saw it, definitely kicked off a whole love of um, Zack Snyder for one it gave me the benefit of the doubt through that terrible Owls film and um, Man of Steel I was still like no he's still a fantastic filmmaker that opening of Dawn of the Dead fucking kicks my ass and, uh, um, I think it looks great I think it's got a great sense of action uh, in terms of the, the kind of character weight it doesn't hold a candle to the original and um, I, I still enjoy the original more but this is definitely a horror film that I just want to yeah. you know, return to every couple of years because it's just such a fun ride. I'm sorry, I can't keep my drunk mouth shut, but I just got—I have a confession to make. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. I like this more than the original. I like the original. I, I just have to say that there's very few movies that do that for me. The only one that I can think of is the Amityville Horror. But, uh, oh, there's another one too that might be on your list that we talk about, but... This is just a great action movie, and uh, I'm I'm sorry that Zack Snyder's career kind of like every single movie he did after this may have gotten like worse and worse and worse. And maybe that's not an argument that I need to be in because uh, <laughs> oh. I don't think I saw anything he made after this. You're generally correct. Yeah, I, you know, um, but great job, Zack Snyder. Absolutely, and I'll quickly say this. A couple years later, when um, I started seeing the trailers for Slither, mm, mm. And they said, from James Gunn, the guy behind Dawn of the Dead. I was like, okay, like, uh, Scooby James Gunn, sure. I didn't know that at the time, but I, I saw Slither, and I was just like, okay, who's this James Gunn guy, this guy? I love this movie. And that's what really <laughs> was my kind of introduction to trauma. And, yeah, so that opened a whole other whole other door to another Oh, trauma. I just want to share a trivia fact with y'all because this is about zombies. Okay, sure. the movie World War Z oh. was Peter Capaldi's last credited role before Doctor Who. And in that movie, according to the credits, 
he plays mindfuck here w-h-o doctor that is so mm. funny yeah <laughs> he's with the who i did not know that that's that is i don't even remember him in the movie i saw the movie well, yeah, he's good in that. I remember going to see that movie. That movie actually, it gets a bad rap because it's not like the book. The book is fucking excellent, but the movie was nothing like the book. And um, there's a couple scenes in there that are really good, like on the plane. There's mm. the end when they're with Peter Capaldi and they're in that like the CDC or something, and they they figure out it's really suspenseful. Yep. But see, the problem for me, I only saw it once at the theater, and it was kind of entertaining. But I get taken out when. You know, the zombies in the movie, in that movie, they take on, it's as if it's like a giant, like, um, amoeba organism. Gets um, But it's also very CGI, you know? Yeah. It's, Cause, I mean, I mean, CGI in the sense that you know you're not seeing real actors or anything yeah. real and tangible. Um, and so, for me, it causes me to disconnect from the movie I'm watching. Because mm. I feel like it's, I'm watching people interacting with, like, uh... A cart like a CGI like the blob from the classic blob, um, and, yeah. and so I, I get detached from it and I start tuning out. Yeah, you know it's funny. I had that same problem the first time I watched it, but after it working so well in Train to Busan, it just doesn't bother me in the same yeah. way. Going back to World War Z, it works in Train to Busan. I would say, for some reason, I don't know why. Well, everything that they have close up are real people, and if they have to do a far shot, then it's CGI. Um, yeah, and, and there's something about Train to Busan that feels like a comic book. Yeah. And so it just, yeah. for whatever reason, it works. And it, it fixed my problem with World War Z in that way. Yeah. It's still not a great movie. It's it's too bloated, but I, I definitely enjoy it more these days. The Train to Busan is bloated? Oh, no, World War Z. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I was going to say. No, I thought you meant Train to Busan also. <laughs> Anybody who says anything bad about Train to Busan over here is, uh, man, we we when we found out that movie came out, like it came out a year ago in Korea at the time we found we, we had to track down like you know a bootleg copy of it because like we have to fucking see this movie it's all only good things are being said about it first time I saw it was through torrent yeah because I heard so many great things I'm like oh fuck I gotta see this movie it's, it just sounds amazing and that guy the main guy he's he's uh, you know I don't know what he was in before that but he was in Squid Game in a small role um, oh. he was in uh, oh, yeah. a movie there's a movie coming out that's a science fiction movie that he's in where they're on the moon. Don't ask me what the name of it is. Maybe it's a TV show. Planet of the uh, Dead. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Stanley Kubrick's behind it all. Uh, sure. Wait, what does that mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> the moon landing bullshit. I don't I'm just, I'm drunk. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Jesus. Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Room 237? Yes. yes. <laughs> All the conspiracy theories. It's super interesting, except it seems made up at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was waiting for the sequel about Flat Earth. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm watching Spinal Tap. Like, it's, it's like a real documentary, but it's not. But just to end this quickly, uh, thanks again, Sean and Eric, for, for coming on for another one of these remakes versus originals. Really enjoyed the conversation, and we'll see you all on the next one.
Oh, you know, it's it's funny. It's funny you say that. Remember the scene in Dawn of the Dead when that weird preacher guy goes to the prison with those two security guards and he's like, oh, I remember this guy and when I was a little kid and he molested me, that whole scene. Oh, yes. Yes, we didn't talk about that. Yes. All right. Yeah, Zack Snyder in the commentary, he was like, oh, you know, I was so proud of him doing that scene. And you know, he's not gay. So I was really impressed that he was happy to do this scene. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, he's an actor. Like, that's yeah. the script. What do you mean you, you were really impressed that he did it? So I was like, what? Well, you know, <laughs> to be honest, uh, the documentary that I was talking about, about gay gay representation in film, when, when Philadelphia came out with Tom Hanks, um, there was this one talking head in the documentary. He goes, oh, my God. I never knew Tom Hanks was gay. And, of course, he's not gay. You know, but they there was this assumption in 1992, I think, or 1993, that if you're playing a gay man, uh, you know, on film, that you must be gay, and that's really ignorant. You know, Um, a couple years after that, George Carlin played a gay guy, and what's that Barbara Streisand movie, The The King of Tides, The Prince of Tides? Sorry, yeah, that. By the way, that role, uh, that character in the movie is not <laughs> good. Uh, and his his speech when he's talking to the guys, that's okay, that's that's all right. And he he comes across it's it's um, implied that he's a church guy because when they roll in, the big fat lady that's going to become a zombie, he's holding her hand like he's a church guy. He's a, he he plays the organ, right? You know. So he's a repressed homosexual, that's why, because he's a church guy. <laughs> but they did something with him that I did not appreciate, and that was him trying on women's shoes. And I just want to say the vast majority of gay men do mm. not enjoy putting on women's shoes unless it's for something like Halloween or a murder mystery party. Yeah, there's, there's, there's absolutely no... And, and when he tried on those shoes, there was a sense of pleasure that he got Mm-hmm. Um, like he was really, you know, he was like trans, basically. Um, we don't do that. I mean, I, I know, I don't know if you know that, but uh, I'm taking notes. Yeah, there's, there's always been a big confusion in that regard. Yeah. And I, I think honestly, Zack Snyder included that scene as more of a joke, because he seemed pretty amused by the fact that he did that scene. And then there's a scene where someone uses the, uh, the F word. I guess, I guess I should say in this day and age. And he was just laughing and laughing. He repeated the line a couple times, and he's like, "Oh, I thought it was so funny that we included that." And I was like, "Ah, like this, something about this just feels a little, little weird." But uh, I guess it was 2004. I can't remember that scene. 2005 when they recorded that. I don't. I. It was between those two guys who were the, the locked-up ones. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, Zack Snyder just kept repeating it and was like laughing about it. I, I don't I think like, uh... that that, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty liberal when it comes to, you know, swear words and shit like that. My to- my mom told me not to use the word cunt. Um, I will still use the word cunt because it applies to people like Marjorie Taylor Greene or um, I can't think of anybody else right now. Yeah, I, I grew up on so much British TV that I just didn't even realize that was such a <laughs> term. <laughs> you're like in second grade. Hey, you're a cunt. Unfortunately, yeah, I went to the principal many times for uh, for cursing. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for that as a youth. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't say dirty words. You shouldn't say dirty words. But you know what? I, I remember from an early age. I, I, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up to my room. I'm gonna sit there alone, and I'm gonna say fuck 120 times. 
until that word means nothing to me and it's part of my vocabulary because those words do have a place shit is anyway I can't remember where I was going with this yeah when I was when I was a Christian from like 16 to 19 so many times I would just slip up and swear because I've got such a sailor's mouth and all my religious friends would like freeze and look over at me and be like oh like uh, oh, okay and I'd be like oh fuck I'm so terrible I could never I just can't stop swearing I just can't help it I feel so shitty for that for years. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, I don't think, I don't even think that's in the Bible. Nope. That you shouldn't swear. It's just, it's just a, a politeness. Thing. It's a manners thing. Um, yeah, they made me feel so shitty for it. <laughs> yeah, what can you do? But I had, a, I had a question for you, and I don't know what it was, because I'm drunk too. 